Tech Matters, the podcast that decodes technology for everyone. This is Craig, and I'm with Greg. Greg, g'day, Greg, how are you? I'm good, Craig. How are you today? Awesome, mate. Awesome, mate. This is our first podcast ever together. Yes. Some said it couldn't be done, that we were that we were both control freaks, and there's no way we could work together, but we're all here to prove them wrong. Yeah, that's what we're about, is proving people wrong. No, we're not. Um, we've, unless it's Microsoft, Google, or one of the majors, we'll prove them wrong. But uh, Fair enough. Fair enough. No, we're not here to do that, neither. So let's uh, start the podcast, I reckon, with telling people a little bit about ourselves. What do you want to uh, say about yourself there, Greg? What's your background? So um, I've been fixing computers and working in the IT industry for a really long time, over 20 years now. Um, originally, I studied electrical engineering, but I suppose initially repairing computers just became a hobby for me. And then um, everyone who was too lazy to sort their own problems out would come to me and ask me questions. And I'd use that as an opportunity to go and, and you know, learn how to fix their problems for them. And then I'd be the one who picked up the knowledge. And I've been accruing knowledge like that for the last 20 years. Yeah, we're very similar in that regard. So uh, I'm the same. I've been working in the IT industry as a business owner for 11 years, but I just wound that up. So your suggestion and mine was we both like the IT side of things. So let's come in and do something that lets people know from a layman's perspective things they need to know. So tech matters is what we talked about. Well, I think we've both been we've both been teaching people and trying to to put complex ideas in a frame that people that people who really don't want to have all the technical technical information thrown at them they just want to know how things work and why they work and how it matters to them absolutely and, and that's what I've got from working in the small office home office environment as a repairer uh, but similar to yourself uh, university I was a tech writer and then from there a massive interest in computers probably around the same age age eight I got into them and also uh, dabbled in you know modifying certain things like CB radios and basically whatever was technology I sort of bought into and wanted to work on so helping others with their problems is is one of the things that I'm passionate about as I know you are too. And you used to be in um, broadcasting as well weren't you? Oh only for a stint (laughs) <laughs> but no, a little bit of fun. Yeah, so good crossover here being on a podcast with you, mate. Well, it's one of the things we can probably talk about at some stage, how anyone anyone who's, I mean, our whole podcast is going to be about taking complex issues and, and making them simple. And, and one of the things we might talk about at one stage is, is how anyone can get in and podcast these days. Yeah, absolutely. This like if people saw our setup here, it's a little bit of knowledge, but for the average person, I do think it's achievable with even just recording on a mobile phone today. But like you say, that's probably another show for another day. Definitely. So, what are we talking about today, mate? What do we want to cover? I think one one of the things would be good to start off with today is um, a topic really close to a lot of people's hearts, and that's their home internet connection. Oh yeah, absolutely, mate. Yeah. Have you set a few of those up in your time for people? I I absolutely have. And um, I'll start on one point is the use of the word wireless broadband and Wi-Fi and the misconception of that they're both the same. 
Yeah, okay. Do you want to talk a bit about that? Yeah, sure. So when you go out to someone and they're talking about, I've got a problem with my Wi-Fi and you arrive and it's actually a wireless broadband device or dongle and it's actually not their perception of Wi-Fi, which is your internal network. So the, the concept that your modem has antennas on it and if you've got a wide connection that in your house, like whether it be a phone line connection or something coming into a you know, device that, like cable device, that your device broadcasts around your house is actually your Wi-Fi. Yeah. So that's the first misconception around Wi-Fi. So use of the term can be confusing from a tech point of view in troubleshooting something and may even be the point of contention on the phone when you're troubleshooting to a customer service centre foot with your ISP because you're not using the same terminology. Okay. One of the things I see people talking about, especially in, say, community Facebook forums or uh, not so much the tech forums online, but certainly, um, you know, the everyday muggles who, who really don't know technology very well. And they're just looking for some advice as to who they should get their internet through. And you'll see all these people jump up and they'll say, you know, TPG works great for me or Telstra works great for me or I've had a crop ex- crap experience with Optus or... You know, any insert, you know, the name of any one of a hundred different broadband providers here. The the real shame with this is in most areas in Australia where people are using fibre to node connections, you'll see that abbreviated as FTTN. Yeah. Um, the company that you're getting it through has nothing to do with the quality of your connection. No, absolutely. It has everything to do with the quality of the of the old style phone lines that are still connecting from the nearest node or they those those big green green grey blue rectangular boxes that you see you know in your neighborhood because um you've still got copper connected your old phone lines that were always coming into your house connected from those boxes into your house so the length of that copper um how long it's been in Mm. the ground how often it's been submerged underwater in storms how bad the connections on that um, that's what actually determines how good your internet connection is going to be, and it quite often has nothing to do with with the company mm. you're getting it through. So, also the amount of uh, space in the exchange that for the equipment that they're actually got within the exchanges that handle the the their capacity capacity is a huge thing. Like you might have Telstra has half of the exchange in equipment, and they're they're renting some to some of the other users, but the, what we call bandwidth or the, we imagine it's like a pipe in which you're sharing data as a group, as a, as a, a community more or less. It's, it's like a pipe of water. The difference is, is it's the amount of bandwidth that you actually have access to changes based on who your ISP, in, your ISP is. And the effect of that is that if your ISP doesn't have as much room on the exchange, then you're competing with all the other users for bandwidth. Yeah, that can be part of it. Um, more often than not, like in the early days of of um, people getting uh, NBN connections, and that wasn't me or you, right? Um, you know, we were we were living on ADSL until probably this time last year. So there was no, you know, fifty or a hundred megabit in our house. We were existing on two or three megabit, and we'll get into later about you know how you can exist and what you can actually do on actual internet speeds. 
so so one of the things um, too is you talked about fibre to the node. So in the suburbs, those boxes, um, a lot of the newer suburbs, like probably 15 years old, have what they call RIM technology, and they have a top hat. There's so there's two parts. On the first part's the actual phone network. The top part hat is actually the there's another box on the cabinet referred to them as a cabinet, and that's actually the the uh, internet side of things. And a lot of the the MBN they change the top hat out, so it has a has a technology in there that uh, used to be called D slams now V slam. I think it's up to 400 megabits per second. And to change that capacity down the track, they just have to change the top hat. So it is future proof if you're fiber to the node and they're using the last run of the old copper network as you described to go to the house, um, and that is impl- impacting people. You want to talk about there's fibre to the premises, which was what a lot of people were promised, but the expense of that has proved um, way too much and, and uh, it wasn't as as good as they thought it would be. And then we've got newer technology, which is what we've arrived at, which is the fibre to the curb. So I'll let you explain. Um, you mentioned fibre to the node, but fibre to the premises, fibre to the curb. Yeah, so... Um, across Australia, eventually, everyone who's got a bad fibre-to-node connection will hopefully eventually get fibre-to-the-curb. That's where um, where they continue to drag fibre um, through the street pits and they basically get it all the way down to that little sort of half a metre oblong-shaped um, concrete pad where the phone line that's just coming into your house connects to, which basically means that instead of having up to a kilometre of copper, old copper wire that this high-speed internet signal needs to get through, you might only have anywhere between 20 and 40 metres of it. And it's the amount of that copper that quite often kills the speed that people get. Mm. So fibre to the premises was expensive because it's taking the fibre cable direct from the exchange to the house? Yeah, and it's not just the fact that they've got to drag it through um, all the way up to the side of your house, but there's there's limitations on how you can actually install it in your house. So um, you can't bend it too sharply. Um, you know, it has to have like a 100 millimetre radius. So generally speaking, where it comes into your house, if it has to go up walls and mm. and here and there to get to its end point, it, it all has to go through conduit. And depending on the age of the house or where it is, it can be quite expensive to install. But it's it's just not a fixed cost per house and that's where if they can terminate the upgrade at the street then they can kind of they can they can work those costs out a lot easier mm-hmm. and the, the fiber to the curb came about when uh, it was leaked that uh, nbn out at redcliffe like somewhere not too far from where we are where they were trying to use a hybrid optus cable um, and identified problems on the network early and realized that that using existing fiber and then connecting to it was not a solution either. So that's the fibre to curb came out of that problem. And then they made a decision, okay, we're not going to use this, isn't working, so we're going to roll something else out. But they didn't tell everyone that, but luckily it got out there and they just said, okay, fibre to the curb's the future. So most connections now, they're trying to do that form of connection too. Well, interestingly, like we, we talk about how to get high speed and what you need high, spe- high speed for. Do you know how much speed you actually need to watch Netflix? I, I don't, but I'd say for a good high-quality stream. When I say I don't, I don't watch Netflix. But my understanding for a good quality stream, if you're streaming and you're not downloading, so you're buffering, 
I would think for HD, you're probably looking around six, and correct me if I'm wrong, six megabits per second, something around that. Yeah, five or six megabits. Yeah. So when everyone's looking at their connections and saying I need 50 or 100 megabit or, you know, or, you know, the local nerds telling me eventually everyone needs to get gigabit. For most people's uses, um, you don't actually need that much speed. What you do need it for is when you've got your shiny new Xbox or PlayStation console and your kid buys the game from the store and they plug it in and it says, sorry, I've got to download a, a game update and the game update might be five or six gig. Depending on the speed you've got, you know, if you're on a, a modern MBN connection that speed is good, you could look at the update taking 30 minutes to an hour. If you're on an old ADSL connection, that update could take over a day. <laughs> over yeah. a day. I have an Xbox and I've had both experiences, so that's 100%. Yeah. I'm sure there's people still listening who would actually experience that slower speed. And uh, interestingly, the advantage of the NBN is that it does take a matter of minutes for some of those to come down. Um, it will often try and soak up as much bandwidth, though, as is available. I know oh, sure. that it'll want to take it all. I mean, this, the speed kind of gives you convenience, and that's what it's about. Mm. No, one, no one likes to wait around for stuff. Um, they kind of just want it to happen now, and they don't really understand why it doesn't. I mean, we've come a long way from, from 56K board modems, you know, where, you know, we take a lot a lot for, of how the internet runs now for granted. But back mm. then, you know, it was just a couple of pictures on a web page. There was no video. There was no nothing because the speeds just couldn't handle it. Yeah, that's it. Uh, interestingly, with gaming, there's a misconception too that you do need high-speed internet to play the game, but it's actually just it's it's actually not that at all. You need good latency, so low ping. So the ping's actually a, 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 a measure of, of, you know, um, I guess how many, how well the packets transfer between you and the end point which is the server that the game's uh, operating on and if they, if you have a high ping which we can talk about speed tests running speed tests on your network um, that might be a bit more advanced for some people but well, well given that we're decoding technology maybe maybe that's something we should talk about like mm. people hear someone talk about ping and latency what does that really mean yeah, exactly. Well, answer it now. <laughs> you tell me. I, I just know the numbers need to be, the lower the number, the better. So the lower the number, the the better the connection. Let's okay. talk in simple so, terms. So think of submarine, right? You know, everyone's watched watched the old movies where subs are hunting each other and they'll, and they'll throw a ping out. So the ping is basically them listening to the amount of time it takes the sound to travel from where it's generated on their sub and bounce off the other sub and for them to be able to hear that. So they're basically measuring the speed of sound through water. In a, in a computer environment, you're basically taking the amount, looking at the amount of time it takes for your computer to send a message to the server and, and a sample of that message to come back. What that means in real terms when you're playing a game is if I have a low ping and... I've got my little first-person shooter dude running around the map taking a shot at someone. Then every time I move my mouse or every time I click my button to fire, the amount of time, you know, if the ping's small, then it'll be closer to real time in terms of when I clicked it and when that action is translated into the game for other players. Um, if it's a long ping, then by the time you're 
action gets to the server and you've got another player there who's got a small ping, who's got low latency and, and, and a short ping, you're thinking, how the hell did I not hit that guy? The fact of the matter is that the server's already updated his position and he wasn't standing where your bullet was going. Exactly. So that's an excellent explanation of ping um, for gamers anyway that might not know. I think most gamers do know because they scream out about that aspect of their internet. But your internet download speed is not going to help that if you have poor quality connection. And that's no. part of the, 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 the reasoning behind having good quality cabling to your internet connection. So the old copper wires aren't as good. Yeah. And that may not be something you can really do anything about. But, but the original question that I posed was, was who should you actually be asking, um, you know, what my speed should be like, who I'm connected to and all that sort of stuff. Um, the best answer for that is don't ask some random stranger on the internet. Walk next door and ask your neighbor. Mm. Because, because they're the people who are connected to the cable at a similar distance from the nearest node or whatever as you. Um, and in most cases the difference between choosing one company or another is really just about weighing up the difference between service that those two companies provide. So if you've got a problem, am I speaking to a Chinese call centre or am I speaking to an Australian call centre? Um, are they answering any problems that I've got quickly? And really just make sure money-wise you're comparing apples for apples because they don't charge the same amount. Um, Telstra bank on the fact that everyone thinks that that they're going to give better service because they're bigger. So quite often they'll give you less speed, less data for more money as everyone else. And the actual product that you're getting from MBN is exactly the same. Yeah, it is. And that's the interesting thing about it. And the misconception people have is that who's these days who owns the wires? It's actually the MBN. Hey Craig, I think it'd be a good time for us to start off our new interesting app of the week segment. What have you got for us this week? All right, uh, I've got this one this week, have I? That's cool. You certainly have. No worries. So uh, about three weeks ago or two weeks ago, as, as you know, I've only, I'm a late adopter of Twitter, the Twitterverse. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I, you, haven't, got... you haven't missed much. There's basically lots of trolls bagging each other. And... Uh, I haven't seen that yet, but I'm sure it's coming. Oh, you just <laughs> haven't dug deep enough. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I've had some good experiences on Twitter today. But uh, the interesting one is that this, the founders of a particular app um, called Ordlist, so the Ordlist app available on both uh, iOS and what's the other one, Android. So, so what you're saying it's not available on Windows Mobile? Oh what? No. <laughs> does anyone even know? No, I don't even think it exists. Does it? Can you so get it? Actually, can you get it for BlackBerry? I have. I doubt it. Okay, so only, it's, only it's, if the BlackBerry is running Android. That's it. So, so yeah, Ordlist, A U D L I S T. So these guys connected through Twitter. They must have thought. Because as you know, I'm on another podcast, which we won't talk about. But uh, yes, yeah, so they've connected. They must have heard that I like to talk. So this particular app is actually an audio app similar to Instagram, but for audio. So instead of fo posting photos, you actually post audio content of yourself. You hold a record button. One, you know, you can hold it as long as you like and talk as long as you like. But the idea is instead of writing text comments, everything's audio. So okay. you reply with audio. So it's like um, 
Twitter for people who hate to type. Absolutely. So it really, it actually is a, an app that's on the same spectrum as those. Um, and, and it's Instagram for, for people who don't like to post selfies. That's it. You can put a photo in with each post if or, you want. Or are too ugly to. But there's nowhere for you to type a comment. If you want to comment, oh, really? you literally have to record a comment. So comments are recorded. Oh, and, okay. you, and instead of likes, you have claps, like an audience. <laughs> okay. Golf clap. Golf clap. That's it. Are you sure that's a golf clap? Through the headphones, it didn't sound right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's it. That's better. Yeah. Sound effects. So, so yeah, so that's, so that's the crux of the app. Now, here's the interesting thing. There's not many users on it at all. It's only launched like three, four, four weeks ago. Yep. Um, I've been user testing it, so experience using um, it and providing some feedback. Is it an app that I think I would use as a speaker, as a talker, like talk a lot? Yes, and I have been. <laughs> and I can tell you sound like you're losing your voice. So it sounds like you've been thrashing it. <laughs> Okay, a bit too far there, bro. But uh, no, no, I have lost my voice, but that's from another activity, which I better explain, is basketball. So I've been coaching and shouting at kids. But uh, anyway. You, you shout at kids? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is just going from bad to worse. All right. Hold so, list. Right. Yeah. So, so look, I don't know what the uh, take-up will be of this particular app. It doesn't hurt to jump on and have a play. One of the features that it does actually have is um, a podcast tab which what that allow is people to actually upload their RSS feeds down the track. So it Sorry, the what feeds? RSS. So what's that? Since we're making so, things, things simple. So I don't even remember what it means, actually, the acronym. So yeah, so, so actually, so let's rephrase that. What does it mean, actually? Is it... Um, it's, um, it refers to an acronym, which is Rich Site Summary. There you go. Yeah. So basically, it's it's... More or less similar, I guess, to uh, an information, a link that directs you to information that helps something locate something on the internet is how I understand it's, it. It's kind of like um, if the individual audio files are your podcast, then the RSS feed is the index. That's it. Yeah, that's the best way to describe it. So, um, yeah, so the RSS feed, thanks for the explanation because <laughs> I couldn't even go there. But, uh, yeah, so I just know what the RSS feed actually is to put it up there. But seeing as we're speaking in layman's terms... Um, yeah, so, so that's the advantage of the app too, is that it may well become a podcast platform where you can actually uh, listen to podcasts and subscribe and communicate directly with the uploaders of those podcasts. Well, the beauty of it is once you've got um, an RSS address, um, you can take that and you can give that to any of the other podcast hosts like Spotify, iTunes, Pocket Casts. There's a million and one oh, different yes. platforms, right? So you can just give them that address and all of a sudden you're on that platform. Mm, and that's the advantage of, of the RSS. And I don't know if that's what it was intended, uh, you know, creation was actually. What was the, there's any information on, on there on the well, creation, it, what it was originally created for? It wasn't it for news feeds, it was to yeah, help it, it people was, up. It was, it was for people posting recurring news articles. Mm. Yeah. Um, on websites so so originally it was rss feeds were used as a news service more or less that you would subscribe to and now they've evolved into something that's perfect for things like podcasts and yeah. subscribing for video it, it just takes a lot of the work out of getting your product out there instead of having to build an index and upload to 10 different platforms you just do it in one spot and you write your descriptions there you put your images there you put your sound there and then you just have to give one address to everyone and it just syndicates itself everywhere. 
Sure. So moving on. So that's the app of the week. So order list, uh, people are able to go and check it out. I don't know whether it'll go. What are your thoughts on the concept of that? Do you think it is something that people may use or? Well, I mean, you've been on it for a few weeks. How much have you used it? I use it every day at the moment, but there's not many people. I'm using it because I'm testing it, but I would think I would use it if there was more people on the platform because I find it highly easy to use. So what sort of things are you posting? Are you just sort of yelling into the void? And No, no. I, I'm, things that I've been posting is Gary V retweeted my tweet. <laughs> self, so, um, so, self-promotion. I'm mate. smelling some self-promotion. So, yeah. social, media, social media whoring, as I like to say. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, self, self-promotion. I'm just going to grab a drink. Sorry about my voice, people. Okay. So I guess you asked me what I think about the concept of it. I think that a lot of a lot of people starting up these sorts of things don't know whether it's going to take on. You know, there's a lot of something that we've spent a lot of time talking about offline is is how and why things go viral and can we tap into it and become millionaires. Mm. Um, but I think with guys like these, I mean, if it becomes popular and lots of people use it, you know, they're probably thinking to themselves. Now, is there a is there a billion dollar payday in this if either Facebook or Google want to buy it off us? Mm-hmm. Or do they just take the concept and evolve it? That's the other thing. Is something that happens too? So, well, I mean, you, you look at do? some you look at something like WhatsApp. WhatsApp is a is a messaging platform that works across devices, and it was really developed as a universal answer to iMessage only being on Apple, mm-hmm. and. Um, and those guys got paid a ton of money from Facebook. Facebook stepped in and bought that. But sometimes they're just buying out the competition too. I'm not saying WhatsApp's not being used. It absolutely is. But sometimes they there are apps that get purchased. And, and particularly we've seen in the graphic design industry, both of you and I, you, you with your media stuff and myself with in the past I've worked in the pre-press industry. And we've actually seen where apps have been purchased, not with the intent of evolving them, but with the end of... Ten of shutting them down. Yeah, getting rid of competition, right? That's it. Um, I think it's hard to say if it's if it's easy to use and it adds some form of value. Though you could question how cat videos and AM, ASMR um, add value. Yeah, they seem pretty popular. Um, mm, you just gave me an idea of using odd list. Odd list. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna do some slow breathing. I think so. And. Yeah. Just, yeah, just make sure you don't post your real address right. <laughs> That's it. Um, or maybe I should. I'll go viral and make millions apparently, maybe. I think it'll probably come down to who uses it. So if there's some really high-profile people that decide that that they want to make that platform a thing and it, it suits them and they start spooking it, then that's how things kind of go sky's the limit. It's incredibly hard to get something something new, no matter how good it is off the ground and just cut through all of the noise of everything going on on the internet. Mm. Now, you've, you've got a teenage daughter. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah, so I want to I want to move on. We're talking app of the week, but we'll move on from Audlist and uh, TikTok. Now, when I visited the other day, she indicated she's averaging around, if, if I can repeat this, around four hours a day on the app is what her metrics are, apparently. What do you think of the app? Um, so TikTok used to be musically. Yeah. Um, I believe someone else kind of China China someone in China bought the app. Yeah, bought it and rebranded it. Yeah. Um 
I think it probably is taking hold now because Twitter stopped, um, shut down their Vine platform where mm. people could make short videos. Um, I don't know. I personally haven't spent much time looking at it. Um, well, I have. You have. <laughs> um, it's it's the next platform that I'm going to try and have a go at, and it is it is a platform where there's young people, but there are some, like you say, influencers um, and people like. Schwarzenegger's on there, Will Smith. So they're realising that there's a, a, a potential to grow an audience quite quickly on there. But the reason I'm raising it is because it is, for me, I jumped on there and it's literally short. I think they're 16 second videos roughly. Sure. And they just keep streaming and you just flick with your finger and I can see how someone could be lost in it because it's just, it's just like... It's like video, video Instagram. It's people just continually scroll. Oh yeah, it's yeah. It, it, to me. I, I I can see how people could lose track of time. It's almost like being abducted by aliens all over again. <laughs> but I mean, so it's fine if people are that making. Was a joke. <laughs> it's fine if people want to make videos and and just get stuff seen. But but in terms of a platform for the sort of things you try to do, what value do you see it adding? So so here's here's if you listen to my mate Gary Vaynerchuk. For example, um, he sees that if you look at the return on promoting yourself on, say, Instagram or Facebook or whatever with the algorithms, it's harder to get your yourself out there and build a following. He's saying that people who have um, very few followers on that platform can build millions of views and can also build a following very easily at the moment because of how easy the platform is um, to create content and also um, that... The, it's disproportionate at the moment because of the number of users. And also, the, he's talking about older people actually using it as opposed to the younger generation that are using it because there's a captive market um, who are the future market. So he's saying tap into the, the teenagers who are tomorrow's, you know, guys that are spending the dollars to build sure. brand. Yeah. yeah. So it's, just, it's really just another way to advertise, isn't it? Absolutely. Because, but a, because, but a, a new platform. Because that's really, that's really what underlies all of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at Instagram and people post, uh, you know, pictures and, and pictures of products, you know, the so-called influencers out there, ultimately the way they make money is they get contacted, um, you know, for advertising arrangements. Everything that Google does is to sell advertising. Yeah. Um, you know, all of these things are about getting noticed so, so that someone sees that, you know, where... You know, where 15, 20 years ago they were looking at radio or TV ads, they're going to where the new listeners and watchers are and and finding the new big channels, you know, the people who have a million followers where people are watching and trying to shove their ads in those people's faces through those individuals. So interestingly, talking about the, like, because I'm using it from a marketing perspective, which you know, like we have this little joke about me being a social media whore, if I'm allowed to say that. It's not a joke, mate, it's a fact. <laughs> yeah, so, so I am, yeah. So the truth is, is I'm, I'm fully out there on the platforms having a go. Um, and interestingly, I have identified with, when jumping on Twitter, one of the things I said to you is, the thing I like about Twitter, and LinkedIn's a lot like this, because in the space that I'm working, these days I'm trying to connect with influencers, if I can say that, um, and they're one, you're one degree of separation, in my opinion, and LinkedIn's like that. If you want to connect with someone on the planet right now who has influence, they may ignore you, but the potential is there that they may not. And I've already seen on those two platforms that your reach through them can, just by attaching yourself to someone who has some influence, um, 
you know, you can build you a bit more of a following. Yeah, I suppose. Mm. I mean, influence is relative, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, so I mean, it, it probably works on LinkedIn. It, it's really about, I think, making, when you're trying to, to get exposure, it's about creating the right content for that platform. Mm, absolutely. Um, you know, a lot of people... But, but here's, here's the thing about content. This is one of the things that we assume that we know what the right content for a platform actually is. Because cause the thing is, is there's, there is no rules around... I mean, no Instagrams for photo, uh, photos, but that doesn't represent the content. That's the actual medium. Sure. If that makes sense. So yeah, we don't... Absolutely. Like, like we, our podcast right here, we could do anything. We could do a, a whole podcast in ASMR. There's no right or wrong ways to do it. Well, we're probably not going to do anything visual because that doesn't work very well. No, well but, but the point is, is there's no guideline saying that we have to do it in a certain way. Look, um, so so the short of it is, um, Audlist is pretty cool. Um, get out there and check it out, and um, go and listen to Craig because he loves to talk. Absolutely. What's all that about? We're talking about broadband in uh, one of the segments that we've discussed. And you asked the question early, like what's uh, Wi-Fi and uh, wireless, like we're talking or we're discussing the difference. And I said about wireless broadband. And right now there's a rollout of 5G and it's had a bit of bad press around 5G. (laughs) Absolutely. And and how how and if it matters to you and and spoilers it kind of doesn't mm. but but get it why don't you get into it well well actually i'm i'm gonna get you to speak to it as, as well because this is an interesting topic of conversation among everyday people so my mum is is the source of this discussion is she seeing all these ads and she's got the uh fiber to the node internet and she's battling with it um, in her suburb, she's not getting good speeds so, through the fibre to the node. So how much speed does she get? Oh, look, it varies. That's the problem. It's inconsistent. So she's getting around 6 megabits, 7 megabits per second. She's been on to their internet service provider and there's been no relief. They've sent out replacement modems and all things. It's just it's just not a good situation for them. So can I ask, um, what exactly is your mum doing with her internet that that she feels... Six to seven megabit esteem. She streams a lot. She streams a lot of movies. So, and and my dad streams a lot of religious stuff, and they're streaming together at the same time. So okay, so 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 video pauses, buffers. Oh yeah, basically annoying. Yeah, yeah. So Telstra TV is one of the ones I probably just gave up the ISP there. (laughs) No surprises there. You know what? If you know, (laughs) if you can't support your own on product and get it working better when you're supposed to be. You know, the industry leaders, then you deserve to be named and shamed. Yeah, okay. So let's keep naming and shaming then. But uh, look, so she's interested in 5G. And I explained to her, like any rollout, that the, she's seeing the ads on TV, but it's actually, there's a rollout map, same as the MBN. So people can go up on the map online and have a look at what areas it's available. So there's a misconception when they see the ad that they can get it. That's how the ad presents. Sure. But the interesting thing about the ads, so they are suggesting that there's faster speeds, which there absolutely is if you're on that network. Yes. But the, the, the point being is they're not telling people the real benefits. They're not telling them those speeds. It's all like it's almost like a big question mark and myth. So she's asking me the question. So so let's talk about that and the benefits of five G or or the down or the downfalls of five G. Yeah. Which way do we go? Um, so here's what I know about it. <clears throat> 
5G operates at a shorter, um, higher frequency, shorter bandwidth than 4G. Um, what that means to the everyday person is you need a lot more towers and they need to be a lot closer to you to actually get those speeds. Am I, am I of the understanding that you make up the network when you buy the device that you contribute to the actual network by having the devices in your house along the way? Is that Do you understand that to be the case? Um, I haven't. I mean, at, at this stage, I, I haven't really seen any of it in production, so I can't really mm. speak to that. But but I do know that, that where, especially with modern brick houses, where um, if anyone didn't know, bricks basically destroy high-speed internet signals, it'll be even worse with 5G. Mm. And do, you want to, do you want to explain why that actually is? Because you're talking about the wavelength being, like, shorter than... Well, it's just... So shorter wavelengths... Um, basically don't penetrate um, solid objects as well. So um, bricks are bad. If you're in an old timber veneer house, you've probably got reasonably decent signals. You know, if you're in a glass building in a city, you've probably got good coverage because you've got antennas on tops of buildings everywhere. But um, I know in, in our place, depending on how far you are from the nearest antenna, you're probably thinking about standing thinking about where that antenna is off in the distance and making sure that you're um, standing in front of a window rather mm. than behind bricks. Yeah, so interestingly, a little bit of a backstory here, when the MBN was being built, if people go back and think about the, the scenario where Telstra was almost forced to tender to become part of the network, uh, I had a customer who was actually a Telstra business customer who indicated to me that the reason Telstra wasn't backing the NBN was because they saw the future of internet as being wireless broadband, which is basically your mobile phone towers and not cables and, and everything that goes with the NBN. So um, it's almost, you know, this rollout of 5G is giving speeds, I believe it's up to 10,000 megabits per second, 15,000 megabits per second is some of the speeds that are supposed to be achievable, whether that's what you delivered or offered as part of a plan I don't know but um, certainly the maximum that they say with our current MBN that you could potentially get is around 1000 megabits per second um, and we're achieving only a marginal amount of that through uh, more or less like what's the shaping I won't say it's shaping but they're, they're, you're limited by the equipment and what the settings are at the moment as to what's being delivered to your house. So, Well what a lot of ISPs do is they they make a guess each month as, as to how many people are going to be using their service and how heavily they're going to be using it in each of the exchanges. So you said earlier that, that um, Big Pond, or Telstra, sorry, um, with their Big Pond internet have, you know, the majority of space for their equipment in the exchanges. But what everyone has to do is they need to think out, well, um, most people are going to be using it heavily between this time and night. On average, we've seen that the, the amount of data being used, not the speed it's traveling at, but the amount of data people are consuming when, they, you know, when they're streaming from Netflix, which is essentially like downloading a file. All of those people aggregated are going to be using X amount of data. And then um, if they don't pre-purchase enough of that data for the month, um, from the wholesale providers, from NBN, then the only way that they can control that is to start shaping everyone's speed and actually slowing them down. So quite often, 
especially in the early days of the MBN when people thought that the problem was that their equipment wasn't fast enough. It was actually their speeds being throttled by the service provider because they hadn't paid enough that month and they'd underestimated how much data every one of their retail customers was going to be using. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, that just is a good demonstration of the control that the ISPs actually have over your speeds too because you might be paying for something, but there's no guarantees you're going to get that. And in their small print, they do say that. Yeah, well... It really brings up the major difference between um, how service providers in Australia um, set up their plans for mobile um, internet connections and your hardwiring ones to your house. So your your home MBN connections that are coming through cable quite often have, these days, an unlimited data allowance, which means that if you've got six people in your house streaming Netflix and you end up using a terabyte of data every month, it's all good. But how many mobile phone plans give you unlimited data allowances in Australia? They're not many. Or none, None, maybe? actually none, yeah. Pro- probably none. And and on top of that, so most people, you know, especially... So, on- so what we're talking about here is capacity. The capacity of the network to, to handle the amount of volume of data that's transferring within the network, and therefore they've got to limit people's access to it and control it so that it's not overloading the system more or less, I guess, which reduces everyone's speed. So they're actually controlling it like a, a dam and water. So let's talk about this in terms of teenagers, right? Mm-hmm. You've got one teenager in the house who's heavily watching videos on Netflix, videos on Instagram, videos on Snapchat, um, Net, uh, YouTube, whatever, right? Yeah. Um, and then a couple of adults who are intermittently using it. You're probably looking at using um, in excess of you know 150 to 200 gig a month of data. How many mobile phone plans or mobile broadband plans give you that much data? You know, yeah. and how much They're are you paying? To. You're right. And how much are you going to pay for that? Besides that, so the truth of it is, when they say you can have a 5G connection um, that's so much faster than what we can give you on your on your landline NBN connection. The problem is the minute everyone in your house starts to use it, whether it be for streaming Netflix, whether it be for downloading Xbox updates, whether it be, you know, every one of your mobile phones in the house downloading updates and, you know, streaming video content and everything, which uses, you know, aggregately huge amounts of data, you know, the faster speed on mobile means you're just going to burn through your monthly allowance that much quicker. And, and I've, I've got an experience of that. So mobile fa- phone tower here, about 100 metres from the premises, maybe 150 uh, in a straight line. And I used my mobile phone data to run a speed test to see what the speed was off the uh, off the network. And it was 200 megabits per second, so it maxed out, yeah. about 198 megabits per second. So that's, that's, that's the capacity of that tower to actually deliver that maximum speed that close. Further away you are, the slower you'd achieve the speeds. Upload was around... 40 megabits per second. Again, that's the capacity to block that, so you're not going to get any faster. But what was interesting, because it was the first time I used the phone, it's 4GX, and I literally did the download, and it literally used like about 200 megabits of data. Because that's what 200 megabytes. Of it. Yeah, megabytes. Sorry, yeah, of data. Like literally at the drop of a hat, and um, I think I had five gig on that plan at the time, and it did come up with a message saying, "You've just chewed up X amount of data." So yes, it's quicker, but the point is you. Chew it up quicker. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's that's the one thing that they're very careful not to put in their ads when they're saying, you know, go with the convenience and speed of mobile and you don't need your home NBN connection. Mm. The difference is your data allowance. You know, a small amount on mobile, even with third-party providers like Boost Mobile or Aldi, who both use Telstra's network, you might get maybe 50 gig a month for for maybe 30 or $40, which seems pretty good, but but it's not even going to compare to the amount of usage that people are using on their home NBN connections. Yeah, so so with the data on the, um, the phones, interestingly, years ago when people, and they still do, they have data devices that are just SIM cards, like the wireless broadband, forget the phone, forget your normal internet, say someone can't get there, or has chosen not to have a cabled connection directly to their house. Yeah. It wasn't uncommon for me to get a call out where the internet had been slowed down or shaped is the term that we used. And when I've said to them, A, have you paid your plan or B, have you used your data limit? A lot of people weren't aware that there was a data limit. So I'd go to the back end and I'd show them and they'd say, oh, but I don't download anything. And this is a misconception. <laughs> yeah, because they shouldn't laugh, but this is people's perception. Everything that comes in on your computer. Yeah whether even if it's a bit of text, is actually technically a download. Every image that gets that shows up on your screen when you open something in your web browser is a download. Yes, every email you open is a download. Every YouTube video is a download. Now, you that's the killer. Is yeah, you don't have to specifically click on something to download. Now, this is, this is another thing that's interesting, and particularly with people using Facebook, and this is where data gets used on mobile phones, is some of the videos and some of the content preloads, whether you look at it or not, Yes. So you might have a video on your phone further down in your Facebook feed and Facebook will start to download that video even if you never arrive with your finger to view it. Now, we just discussed high-definition video. Um, it's probably more compressed on a mobile device, but you're looking at, say, it was HD and it's, you know, sex, you are watching, say, YouTube or Netflix on your phone. You're looking at around six, you know, megabits per second. You talk. You, you could be talking. Um, you could be talking half a gig for a music video. Absolutely. And and In HD. And here's the real trap: the device. You know, whatever you're doing, whether it be YouTube or Netflix or whatever app you're using, says, "Hey, look at all this speed you've got." I'm not going to just download the SD version of this. I'm going to download the Ultra HD version of it. Yeah. And before you know it for something you didn't even really want to look at. It downloaded a file 10 times the size and it runs out your data 10 times as fast. Yeah, so so for people out there that find or experience slow internet on a mobile broadband connection or wireless broadband connection, um, then you know that's something to be aware of is, is actually what you're using and your usage is everything that comes in on your device over the internet or data connection. Actually, let's talk about that quickly. So. When you get home and you connect your mobile phone to your internet connection in the Wi-Fi connection at home, it normally prevents or blocks the data um, component of your phone from being active. So it's actually piggybacking off your internal network. So any opportunity you get to be on your home Wi-Fi connection is is highly recommended, yeah? Yeah, take it. Absolutely. Yeah, avoid using your data, people. Yeah, no, it's it's a precious commodity. Especially on mobile and wireless broadband. Yeah. Tech fail of the week. So this is the first of our um, tech fail of the week um, segments. Um, 
you were telling me about a particularly funny one. I'd only just watched the video of this, but it was um, the launch of Elon Musk's Tesla Cybertruck. Mm. Yeah, was there ever an uglier car made? <laughs> I don't know, mate, but it is pretty ugly and hasn't had rave reviews, that's for sure. So I think probably a, a good thing to start with would be just to play some of the audio from the launch. So here we go. All right. Let's, uh, let's, let's show the glass demo. So just to describe what's happening, he gets someone to walk up and... France, could you try he to throws something glass, out, please. basically saying that it's shatterproof and can't break. So just listen. Yeah. Sure? Yeah. <laughs> oh my fucking god. Well, maybe that was a little too hard. <laughs> maybe it was a little bit too hard. It was, mate. The, the shatterproof glass just shattered. just shattered. And for the record, if you go and have a look at the video online, it wasn't that big of a wind-up. Um, if you if you go and play it a little bit more, because he actually has a go at the back <laughs> window too. Hang on a sec. Okay. Oh, really? Should we try oh. oh, no. <laughs> Sorry? Really? No. Yeah. Okay. It didn't go through. Oh. So that's a, that's a plus side. Let's try the right. Really? Try the one, really? Okay. Yeah. Oh. Oh man, oh, it didn't go great. through. <laughs> so, bulletproof glass, mate. What do you thought? I said what it was. It was supposed to be bulletproof. Yeah. So, we took a, a small, kind of like a, is it sort of like a tennis ball it, size? It, yeah, it's about, it looks like a shot put type weight. It didn't look as, as big and no. it didn't look as heavy either. But It's a weighted ball, whatever it is, so, a steel ball. So, what's the idea of, of taking an ugly car that looked like it came out of the early 80s sci fi movies and and putting it, bulletproof glass in it. What was the thinking behind it? I, I guess it's about the future. Tesla's all about the future. So well, Elon Musk is, and looking at the car, it is ugly, but they have compared it to uh, Mad Max, the cars out oh. of Mad Max, and also... Uh, so the future's all going to be bullets and people trying to... That's um, it. Trying to fight for whatever petrol's left and mm. and lots of mohawks and, yep. and firing arrows and stuff with and, people. And also back to the future. <laughs> <laughs> Can looks, you see that? It looks a little oh bit God. like a chunkier version of a DeLorean. That's yeah. it. So, so that's the idea of the modelling that people have reviewed in in reviews of the the vehicle itself. But uh, interestingly, they expect it to roll out. That's the prototype to twenty twenty one. They they have taken a number of orders, believe it or not. So, hang on a sec. So, this wasn't just a technology demonstration to demonstrate the glass. They're actually looking at selling that thing. Yes, yes. Thirty-nine, nine ninety drive away in US dollars, mate. <laughs> so, fully, fully uh, um, battery powered vehicle. Well, yeah, you get five hundred miles apparently on the battery. But they call it a Cybertruck. Is it actually like a truck? It's it a utility. A it has a tri- It has a. It can fit a trike on there. They actually drive a trike up onto the back. But luckily, it doesn't break the window. <laughs> so. You mean when the chassis flexes? Yeah, the chassis flexes. Now, interestingly, he does, before that video that you just played some of the audio from the video there, he actually hits the side of the car with a sledgehammer as well and shows that there's no denting, it's steel. But I don't know how efficient that is, but he, he swings a sledgehammer at it. and Because um, that's something that happens with cars a lot these days. If you're in Mad Max, absolutely. <laughs> it's like, Fair enough. I don't, I don't know. the. Uh, maybe he wanted, as we just discussed in a previous episode or segment, um, maybe you wanted to go viral, mate. Maybe that's all it's about. <laughs> okay. Smashing your window. 
maybe. I don't, I know. don't know. Look, all, I really don't know. But all, you'd think they'd test that before the day, wouldn't you? All I can, all I can wonder is when I look at it, I wonder to myself, everyone who I know who's the sort of person who wants to have a ute and drive a ute around, would they be caught dead in that? No, but I would. And I don't want a ute. <laughs> yeah, well, that's well, that's just um, you just see it as advertising, like, yeah. like, oh my god, what's he driving? Who is that? It, it's interesting. That's exactly what some of the reviews have said about it. It's 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 the sort of thing you would rock up to a party in, but you're as, not going to go four wheel as a talking up. point. As a that's it. So if you got you know money to burn and you want to be noticed, that's just going to be a talking point. That's about it. A water cooler moment. Um, People who actually need a utility, they say that is not who that market is. That's not marketed to them. Do they do anything with the batteries? Because one of the big um, things you've got to be careful with with lithium-ion batteries is the amount of current you draw from them. So usually with a lithium-ion battery, and ask anyone who had a Samsung Note 7, you draw too much power out of them at, at once and they'll tend to explode. Yes. So... You know, electric cars where they're just carrying a couple of people is fine, but when you start adding lots of weight to them, I'm wondering how how a vehicle like that that they're looking at adding a lot of extra weight to um, is going to be is going to affect the um, the current draw through the batteries and how mm. they're going to handle that. Like you, you load, you know, is it going to be like a one tonner? You put. I don't know what its load is. That's that's the interesting thing. I've seen the video, probably know as much about it as you. I've seen the reviews of the video, meaning people making comments on it. But I didn't go into the deep end of the specs, so well, I'm, it I'm, does look like it's steel too, a heavy... Well, I'm wondering if the crew cab has to be bulletproof for when the batteries explode. Maybe. It's the cabin's there to protect you, and it's doing a great job of that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's really, yeah, so, well, it's, it's typical of Elon to come out with something weird and wonderful, and maybe he's going to convert that into a spaceship one day. Um, might be the next move, looking at this, the design of it. Well, I, I think that's an awesome tech file of the week. Thanks yes, for that. I think so too. Thank you for listening to Tech Matters, the podcast that decodes technology for everyone. Hey Google, who's got the sexier voice? Me or you?